Good morning, church. It's good to be here together, isn't it? We were praying this morning before uh, worship together and was reflecting on those months that we couldn't come together like this. So let's just be grateful for that to start with. That's just the beginning. Well, as Jim mentioned, uh, Shannon, Pastor Shannon is away for a couple of weeks and um, hopefully having a good restful time with his family. And uh, so he had asked me to preach, and, uh, which is always an honor and a privilege and a little bit overwhelming also. But um, he said, well, it's wide open. You can just preach on anything you want, which I absolutely hate. Because, like, you know, like the Bible's really big. There's so much in there. And um, yeah, I like to just be given a passage and then see what God wants to say through it and go with that. But uh, he said, no, whatever you want to do. And I felt like I was, like, at one of those huge buffets, you know, like on a cruise ship or something where they've just got these mounds of food and it all looks so good. And, and I'm being told, okay, just pick one thing. And then, but you're not even picking it for yourself. Like you're picking it for somebody else. So pick the best thing for somebody else and then, you know, do it. So, so I open my Bible. I'm like, I'm like reading the entire New Testament. You know, like I decided I, I wasn't going to do the Old Testament. I, I knew that was going to take way too much research. So I thought, okay. So I just kind of pretty much spent the day reading the entire New Testament. Not really, it's just skimmed. But, uh, you know, like, God, what, what, which piece? Oh, I like that. No, I like that. No, I like that. Anyway. So um, I don't know if I'm bringing you like a side dish or a dessert or a main dish today, but hopefully it's something that's nourishing for your soul. So, um, all right. So uh, one thing, of course, I considered, and Shannon, I think, actually did mention this idea, was that um, maybe preach on the values. You know, we have these great values that uh, we've come up with as a church, and uh, there are five things that we've said are really important to us. And uh, so I thought, you know, that's a good thing to preach on. They're, these are things that as a community we've decided to do. And um, it's important for us to be reminded of them. I know we've been reminded of them a lot, but it's, you know, there's always some more things we can say. We can always look to God's word for further instruction and inspiration, right, for carrying out this calling we have. Um, but as I looked at those values, my eye was drawn to that little phrase above the values. So do we have that up on the screen? Yeah, great. So um, it doesn't have a picture that goes with it. It's just that little sentence above the, the values with the cute little pictures, uh, which I really like. I love the pictures. Um, so I just thought, I'm going to take some time to focus on that thing at the top, that thing that says, the Lord Jesus Christ. I just thought, we need to take a step back once in a while and just sit with that a little bit. Because, of course, as great as these values are, if we're not doing them out of the strength and the goodness of our own relationship with Jesus, if we're not depending on him for guidance and for wisdom as we try to carry these out, and if we're not just continually being filled with the knowledge of his deep love for us, that has to be the underlying motivation for doing all of these things. Because we can just totally miss out on experiencing the great joy and delight that's available to us as we do these things. Um, and it's true really any time that we focus our, on our actions instead of the reasons that we're doing the things we do. We miss the joy that's available. 
And, you know, we can easily become burned out really quickly, tired, burned out. Uh, we can be loving and serving and advancing and pouring and cultivating all those things until we start to feel like we're sort of like in a whack-a-mole game. You know, like, okay, I'm going to love. Oh, got that one. Okay, I'm going to serve. Oh, got that one. Oh, I'm, I'm going to cultivate. Oh, got that one. Until we're kind of exhausted. And if you've ever played whack-a-mole, you know, where you have that little hammer and these things pop up and you try to hit them before they pop down, you get a point if you hit them before they pop down, it's it's exhausting. It makes me a little anxious just to think about it, actually, as I stand here, um, you know, you, where you're just like frantically doing that. But it can feel like that in our Christian lives, even. We need the power that comes from our relationship with Jesus in order to joyfully carry out whatever it is we're called to do. The good news is that power is available. And we just need to, first of all, realize our need for it. And then, second of all, stop trying to do it all on our own. So uh, you might have noticed we didn't have a children's message today because so many of our kids are away on vacation these days. So uh, we'll be back to that when school is back in session. Um, so I just thought I'd give you a little illustration. Since you didn't get you know, a children's message illustration, I thought I'd give you one. So um, I like cooking, and I had, uh, I had a favorite knife that I really liked. I liked the size of it. I liked, you know, it was great for cutting up vegetables. Nice, sharp knife. Worked really well. Uh, had a great blade. But I don't know, recently something happened to this favorite knife of mine, and the blade came out of the handle. And I don't know if you know how a knife is made. It has like this little, these little prongs that go into the handle, and the handle holds it, and then you, you only see the blade, but it really goes beyond that. But um, I think it's called tang or something like that. Anyway, um, so that came out, and I couldn't get it back in. And um, I, it would be a lot better, actually, if I had the knife here and could show you and you know you could actually see what I'm talking about, but I don't have it because I threw it away because it was useless. Because you know that blade, once it didn't have the handle to give me the leverage to use it, it was just completely useless. And I actually tried like holding on to that little tang part, you know, because I really liked this knife because it was so sharp and good. And um, and I tried to cut with it, but that it was very clear that that was not going to be efficient or safe. And so that was kind of a recipe for disaster. So the analogy here, of course, is that Jesus is the handle, right? And the lesson is that without him, no matter how sharp we are, we're really pretty useless. So I know there's lots of you who are very sharp out there, but um, without that, that handle, we are pretty useless at times. All right, well, the scripture we're going to look at this morning is a much better illustration. Uh, it's, uh, we're going to dive into that here, but let's pray before we do so. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you that we can gather here today, that we can uh, hear your word, uh, that we can hear your word for us. Would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds uh, to what you ha might have to say to each one of us this morning? God, we are so grateful for the gift of your word. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at a great passage, one of my favorites. Uh, it's in John chapter 15, and we're going to be looking today at verses 1 through 9. So you can follow along the screen, on the screen. You can, if you brought a Bible, you can open that if you like to see kind of where the context is. Uh, it's the Pew Bible. It's on page 764 if you want to look at that. Um, 
so Jesus, uh, the context is Jesus is gathered here with his disciples, and it's before his, just before his arrest and his crucifixion, and he, there's a, a lot of teaching he's doing here. These are part of his last words to his disciples. So he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Well, this is such a good illustration, isn't it? Way better than a knife. Um, And One we can really get, because we live here in Northern California, right? We live so close to the wine country, which, by the way, seems to have extended, like, throughout California. Like, you drive down 5 or 101, and there's vineyards everywhere, right? So we know, here in Northern California, what uh, we know about vines, we know about what vibrant vineyards look like. We appreciate the fruit that they produce, right? So, So this is really a great picture for us. Branches connected to a healthy vine and producing wonderful fruit. And this is just, it's, this is such an amazing passage of scripture, and there's so much we could explore in it. And usually I would go through a passage like this kind of line by line and really drill down into what each part means, because there's a lot here. There's a lot that's being said. Um, there's a lot I could unpack. I could take 42 minutes and unpack it. I'm not going to take 42 minutes. Uh, Today I want to do something a little different. I want to focus just on the big idea of this passage, which of course is the idea that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we depend on him in order to flourish, in order to really be and do all that God has created us to be and do. So, I'm going to start here with a confession. This, I, as I said, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, which my kids like roll their eyes every time I say that. They're adults, but they still roll their eyes because I have a lot of favorite passages in the Bible. But this really is a significant one for me because um, I've worked in ministry a lot of my life, and um, I have had to cling to the vine a lot. Um, it's really been my only hope because... Uh, I've had to do things that require faith and uh, in a power that is just way beyond me, way beyond me. Uh, But to be honest, here's my confession, I have at times looked at these verses as sort of a Christian formula for success. I've read them and determined that the goal of the Christian life is to be a life that produces fruit, 
whatever I might define fruit as, right? And there's actually a lot of possibilities there. Uh, some, some fruit is admirable, some not so much. Um, but that's like a whole other sermon. So back to the idea that the goal of the Christian life uh, is to a life that produces fruit. That was, that's where I came to it. That's where I've come to at some points in my life. Um, and that seems like a good thing. It seems like something that actually would please God, right? Especially uh, for those of us who are goal-oriented. Like, yeah, I like goals. I want to reach goals for God. That's good. Um, and I really like, you know, the idea that we can know how to achieve success based on these verses. Like, I like that. Um, just be sure you stay connected to the vine. Okay, got it. I mean, that seems like really good application of this passage to me. But, you know, what if this passage isn't so much about doing something? What if it's not about the secret to a productive life? What if it's simply about understanding more deeply the goodness of relationship with Jesus? What if it's just revealing something that's true rather than teaching us something that we're supposed to do? So maybe you already know this. <laughs> maybe you've never been tempted to read this particular passage in this way, and maybe you should be up here preaching instead of me. Um, but I think if we really think about it, that there are times that most of us have seen the Bible as a book that provides us with divine principles that we can live by. Seems like a good idea. We read it so that we can manage well or as well as possible in this world. We take out verses and put them on our refrigerator. We can see the Bible then as sort of a manual for a successful life whatever success means. That could mean that we're looking to the teachings of the Bible uh, to figure out how to live a life pleasing to God, which is certainly a good and admirable goal. And the Bible is definitely helpful for that. It could be that we look to the teachings of the Bible in order to figure out how to have a happy and a satisfying life, which is not unreasonable. And the teachings of the Bible will also do that. There's an acronym for the Bible that I've seen a number of times. Maybe you have too. It sort of captures this view of the Bible. Uh, it's, it's said that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. It's cute, right? It's really cute. Basic instructions before leaving earth. And it's kind of clever, and there is some truth in it. But the Bible is so much more than instructions for our time on earth. <laughs> It's such an amazing book. That's what makes it different from any other book. That's why it's, it's lasted 2,000 years and people continually go to it and continually are fed by it. There's a guy named Sky Jatani, and he's one of my favorite contemporary authors. He's also a brilliant pastor and a speaker. Um, I'd recommend anything he's written or any podcast he's done. Uh, he wrote a book a while ago called What's Wrong with Religion? And I recommend it, uh, particularly, I think, yeah, there it is. If, if you or anyone you know might be a little bit delusioned by or confused by the church in America today, 
In it, he explores nine surprising things that he says he's learned since he stopped playing the religion game and started following Jesus. So one of these, the things he addresses in that little book, it's not a big one, uh, is the idea that, uh, of how, this idea of how people view the Bible. And uh, he describes this idea of the Bible as a manual, as one through which we discover how to manage our lives and, and our world, which he says actually reveals our desire for control. So in this view, God himself actually becomes entirely optional because we just try to learn the things from this book that gives us some good principles so that we can manage things ourselves. So he says religions are really built around this idea. But he offers a different view of the Bible. He says the Bible is really meant to be a window, that through it, by reading it and studying it, we discover how to see God how to see ourselves, and how to see the world, God's world. This view, he says, results not in a desire for control, but in a desire for God. Because when we look carefully at God's word in this way, we see not a set of rules or divine principles for living, we see the character of God the goodness of God, the grace of God, the power of God. And we see how he views us with love and compassion, with mercy, with deep, deep love. And we understand that what we're offered is not just a religion, a set of rules to live by, but it's a relationship with a good and generous God, which is so much more satisfying. So I want to invite you this morning to uh, experience God's word as a window. And what we're going to do is a little spiritual formation exercise together. I told you it's going to be a little different. I'm going to read today's passage again, and this time there's a particular word that's repeated over and over that I'm going to emphasize as I read it. And I invite you to listen, and I hope that you'll listen with your heart and your soul opened up to hear what God might be saying to you today. If you'd like, you can bow your head or close your eyes, whatever is most comfortable for you so that you're not distracted. Um, I'm just going to start at verse 3, and I invite you to once again listen to God's word. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. 
So did you hear it? This invitation to remain in Christ? See, that's, that's what this passage is all about. The fruit's going to come. That's not even really the point here. That's just something that's going to happen very naturally. It's just a fact of what's going to happen when we remain in Christ. It's not a formula. Okay, so what does this idea of remaining in Christ really mean, though? Like, that, that bears some thinking about, I think. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit right now, but my challenge to you is to just give that some thought this week. Keep that in the back of your mind. What does that really mean? What does that mean for me? Because, see, it's more than just believing in Christ. It's more than obedience to God. It's even more than faith in Jesus. Though those are all good things. Remaining, it, it connotes this union with Christ. A connection that's constant, that's beautiful and powerful and good. Think again about those branches as they're, and the vine that's described in this passage. How that nourishment just flows naturally from the vine into the branches because they're connected. There's this oneness. And it's good because that's how it's created to be. Healthy branches coming out of a vine. That's flourishing. And when we enter into a relationship with Christ, into this union that he invites us into, that's an ever-deepening union, by the way, one in which we remain in his love, then we too can experience that life, that flourishing life, a life that's marked by contentment rather than striving, a life where we truly experience a peace that passes understanding rather than fear, a life where we bear fruit naturally rather than through some exhausting effort? So have you experienced this? Have you experienced union with the God who created the heavens and the earth and who loves you so lavishly? Are you experiencing it now? If you are, that is awesome. I hope that you're telling lots of people about that because that's really, really good news that people need to hear about. But if you're not, um, I'm here to encourage you today because this union with the all-powerful God, the God of the universe, is available to everyone. And if you've never considered it before, this is your invitation. Just to give it some thought, to explore what it might mean to be connected to the vine. You can reach out to us. You can do it through the Connect card. You can come up after the worship service and talk to one of us. Um, we'd love to just give you some safe places to explore that if, you're, if you want to consider what life with God might look like and you haven't done that. But also, if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, maybe you have been for a long time, or maybe you're out there online. I haven't forgotten about you people online. I'm so glad you're here. Um, but if you have been a follower for Christ for a long time, but maybe, maybe today you're feeling more withered than connected, 
This is an invitation today for you too. Because you know those disappointments and heartaches that we experience in the course of living in this broken world and those frustrations and fears that we face day after day and that we've especially faced over the last many, many months, and even just the frantic pace of our lives, which seems they seem to have picked up right where they left off in March 2020, you know, all of those things can just erode our union with Christ, slowly, slowly erode. They can wear us down, chip away at our faith and our hope. They can make us forget the nourishment that the vine lavishly offers us. And so we need some practices that put us in a position to receive that nourishment on a regular basis, don't we? I suspect you know this. (laughs) But again, I think we just need to be reminded sometimes, particularly if we're feeling eroded. So the most basic of these practices, of course, is prayer. Consistent time spent with God. Because how can you have a relationship without time, right? You need significant time together. And this isn't like a time where you're just spewing off frantically all of your things you need from God, your wish list. But prayer needs to be a time where you sit with an awareness of God's presence and and his deep, deep love for you. It's, it's hard to make time to do this. But we need that time to consider who Jesus really is and all that he's done for you. A time to position yourself to receive whatever it is that God has to offer you for that day. Mother Teresa, who cared for the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, uh, she did it for years and years, She did it with so much grace and compassion, with wisdom and with strength of character, just year after year. And once uh, in the 80s, a news reporter named Dan Rather, some of you remember him, uh, asked her, he went to do a story on her because it was just such an extraordinary thing what she was doing there. And he said, when you pray, Mother Teresa, what do you say to God? And she replied, I don't say anything. I listen. So then the reporter asked, okay, when God speaks to you then, what does he say? And she replied, he doesn't say anything. He listens. And the news anchor was pretty baffled by that answer. And then the Mother Teresa said to him, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. If Mother Teresa couldn't explain that, I don't think I'm going to (laughs) try. Um, But I think she had this idea of union with God nailed, right? Listening and allowing God to listen to you. If you don't have some good regular practices that put you in a position where you can receive the nourishment for your soul that God offers, I just want to encourage you to find some. To, to commit to that, to do so. 
Um, I know it's something in my own life that I let slide. I just get busy, and I'm doing so many things, and I'm preparing for my Bible study instead of just being with Jesus, right? So, um, yeah, so I'll give you a couple quick practical ideas this morning, uh, just in case you need some refresher. So um, you could start by just taking uh, these verses from John 15 that we looked at this morning. And make them into your own prayer. Start your day by declaring to God that you recognize that he is the vine and that you are the branch. And ask him to nourish you. Ask him to help you understand your dependence on him for today. And then spend at least two or three minutes Two or three minutes isn't a long time, but it, it may feel like a long time if you actually do do this. But try to discipline yourself to spend two to three minutes recalling ways that he's provided for you. And these might be big ways or they might be little ways. Um, but as you think about those things, just try to receive them as gifts, as his, an expression of his love for you. And try doing this every day for like a week or two weeks or a month. And see if your soul starts to feel a little bit more nourished. So, hey, I just, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come on back up while I'm finishing up here, and you guys can get in place, because um, uh, we're going to do something at the end, and I don't want to be distracted. So um, if you like books, I brought a couple of classics to recommend to you. Uh, this first one, The Practice of the Presence of God, I brought it to show you. Look how little it is. It's such a teeny tiny book, but, and it's a classic. I'm sure many of you have read it, but if you haven't read it in a while, read it again. It's, um, it's just got some great, great inspiration for sitting in the presence of God and what that can look like. So great book. Um, here's another one. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Day by Day. Uh, it goes through a practice called the daily office, and it's a 40-day thing. So if you like um, sort of structured stuff, that's a good structure. Um, this book, Prayer, by Richard Foster, classic, classic. Um, it's described as a compelling primer that helps us understand, experience, and practice the many forms of prayer. So it's, it's got a lot. It, it has a lot of words. So if you, if, you're, if you like to read or if you're looking for something pretty something to really chew on, this is it. So uh, there's so, so many more resources available. Um, those are classic ones. There's some new ones that are great. Um, if you need some help finding something tell me. I'll be happy to help you. I'll be happy to direct you to some other people who can help you. But something I've recently discovered for myself that maybe somebody's interested in is a meditation app that you put on your phone. And it's called the Pause app. I think we have a slide that shows. Um, so you can find it by, if you type into your browser, I think the Pause app, it will come up. Or uh, you can just go to pauseapp.com. And then once you get to the app, once you select that, uh, then you'll see there's a few different things to choose from. And these are like these guided meditations. So if you're not into meditation, this is definitely not your thing. I'm not really into meditation, but I've actually found it really refreshing for my soul. So, um, so you can choose a few different things. The one I'm going through is a program called 30 Days to Resilience, and it's kind of addressing like all the, the weariness that's come over these last couple years and the difficulty it is to sort of pop back into shape, you know, be resilient, pop back, spring back into shape. Um, 
But there, those are about 10 minutes. You're supposed to do them twice a day. Okay, I'm going to confess. I seem to only be able to find time to do one a day. So it's going to last me 60 days. So that's good. So, um, but there are a couple of things that are, go for just a minute or two, too. So if that's something that's helpful for you. Um, there's just a wide variety of tools and practices available. So uh, if, if you want to explore this idea of being nourished by God, I encourage you to pursue it. Again, you can talk to me, you can talk to any of our elders, our staff, the other people that are sitting next to you in the pew, ask them what they do. They probably have much better ideas. So, um, so I'm going to close today by praying a prayer that's based on Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. I'm going to pray it over you as we close. So this prayer is from chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians. It's a letter that Paul wrote to these people, and he loved them deeply. And so I'm going to read this twice, and Stephen, if you want to come up, or somebody, there you are, hi. (laughs) If you want to come up with some music behind this, that's okay too. Um, And I'm going to go through it twice, because I want you to just be able to sort of sit with it. Hope this isn't too weird for anybody. Um, And I invite you to just receive whatever God has for you in these few moments. If you want to, you might grab a, a little piece of the card in the pew, and if there's a word or a phrase that really kind of stands out to you, you might just write that down. That might be something that God is speaking to you this morning. He does that. Uh, And then you can maybe give that some more thought later and explore that a little bit more when you have more time. And you know, if you are sitting here thinking, okay, this is weird. I'm feeling some resistance to this concept, or I just don't, I don't like this. Uh, You know, that's okay. It's totally okay. You can just acknowledge that to God. You know, God, I don't know. I don't, I don't get this. Um, and maybe just think about, huh, where is that resistance coming from? What, what is that? What's happening in me that is bringing up that resistance? And that's okay. That's great. All right. So I do invite you to bow your heads and just let the scripture wash over you. Hear the words from Ephesians. We come before you, Father, because we belong to you. I pray, God, for each person in this room and for each one watching from somewhere else that out of your glorious riches you would strengthen them with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner being. I ask God that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. I pray that they would be rooted and established in love and that they would have power together with all of your people to grasp how wide, how long, and how deep the love of Christ is. I pray that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they would be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from you. God, you are able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. To you be the glory forever and ever. I pray, God, 
for each person in this room and each one watching from somewhere else that out of your glorious riches you would strengthen them with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner being. I ask God that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith and I pray that they would be rooted and established in love and that they would have power together with all of your people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. I pray that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that they would be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from you. God, you are able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. To you be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen.